Super Talk Mississippi media production. This is Jack Hoffman. For nearly 31 years, Tico Steakhouse has been a staple for fine dining in Jackson, Mississippi. I would like to invite you to come experience our family tradition of our hospitality, sizzling steaks, and healthy poured beverages. East County Lime Road in Ridgeland, 601-956-1030. This is Gerard Gibbert, and thank you for listening to Middays here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Morning, everyone, and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host, Gerard Gibbert. On the road again, we have relocated the Element Well Studios out to Mississippi Blood Services in Flowood, Mississippi, on Treetops Boulevard, just off of Lakeland Drive. We'll be guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music on this incredibly wet hump day. Man, <laughs> you get you row your boat uh, to the Super Talk headquarters there this morning, Rhino? No, but I did get here, and apparently the umbrella I thought I put in the car was not in the car, so I had to make a quick dash through the rain, and I'm glad I'm wearing the new genteel Super Talk athletic wear, so it'll dry quickly. <laughs> I mean, it came a uh, a bit of a deluge. I heard the sirens going off this morning the the uh, weather sirens were going off about 5:30 in my area and it did wake me up uh and I, of course turned on the television to check out the uh, latest on the weather i checked my phone my handy weather app there and you could see lots of red and yellow just moving across the magnolia state but the thing you don't like to see rhinos those little polygons of red outlined in red and yellow indicating severe weather even a tornado warning and so there were a a suite of tornado warnings across the state i think they're either out or they've moved uh out of this area the central mississippi area what what's the latest and we've got by the way someone from the national weather service is going to join us at 10:37 on middays call in and give us a complete and full update anything else you're aware of at this point uh the only warning i see that could still be active i haven't got an update on it in about 15 minutes is the tornado warning that includes hickory and chunky mississippi but that should be expiring in the next six to seven minutes okay yeah uh, over towards uh, the eastern part of the state towards meridian i'm looking at that as well lots of red and yellow in that area as this front moves through it's very slow moving front because Based on the track that I've watched the last three or four hours, it's moving uh, more on a southwest to northeast 
trajectory and just kind of staying over the area, not really moving out, just sort of just a train of storms moving up uh, that line from the southwest to the northeast. Still draped, looking at the present radar, still draped right over the central Mississippi area and kind of a line, I guess, that extends from uh, looks like north of Baton Rouge, north uh, west of Baton Rouge, all the way across the state of Mississippi, on in to uh, Alabama, around the Columbus, Mississippi, West Point area. And it almost looks to me like, Rhino, it's moving more from the south to the north. It's kind of the way it will exit our area as this cold front is is uh, circulating and going to push much colder air into the Magnolia State, as I understand, like high of in the low 50s or around 50 for the weekend, which the hunters are all celebrating because that is more more appropriate deer hunting weather. Is that kind of what you're seeing in the forecast? Oh, yeah. It looks like we're finally going to get some December-like weather. And, uh, yeah, when the, when the weather dips, especially when it dips quickly, think about it like if you're at a football game and it's really cold and you need to stand up and get the blood pumping so you warm up a little bit, the deer have to do the same thing. So that gets them moving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. So they're all excited because we really haven't had too much of uh, too many days that you would consider to be more uh, traditional deer hunting weather, right? Which is usually cold and sometimes wet. Seems like how they like it. And then the ducks got that coming up as well, right? Duck season. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I actually don't know a whole lot about duck season, so I couldn't comment. Well, I know we got a lot of smart folks uh, among our audience, so they'll probably send us something, let us know, and we would appreciate that. But we are at Mississippi Blood Services today, and again, the need is urgent uh, to for folks to come out and donate blood. The demand is uh, exceeding supply. We need you to come out, and even though it is raining a bit, it looks like the uh, severe weather has moved out of our area here in Flowood, Mississippi, and it just seems to me, just kind of looking at the radar, eyeballing it, we're a, an hour or maybe less from being totally out of the precipitation, but come on out and see us and, and donate some blood again. Someone from uh, the National Weather Service is going to join us at 1037. Also, Brittany Mitchell with Mississippi Blood Services will be on middays at, in the final segment of the three hours at 1050, 1150, and 1250. We've also got uh, really excited about this Flint Minshew, who is a personal friend of uh, Coach Mike Leach and also, of course, the father of NFL quarterback. Uh, Gardner Minshew, who played for Coach Leach at uh, Washington State, and what an interesting journey uh, Gardner has had, a product of Brandon High School, all the way to the NFL with a couple of stops en route in his college career, including Washington State playing for uh, the late, great coach Mike Leach. Also got Senator Josh Harkins, represents Rankin County, District 20, chairperson of the Senate Finance Committee. He'll be uh, here at Mississippi Blood Services in the Element Well Studios at 12.05. And, yeah, there uh, I don't know all the details, but Jerry and Ponatok sent us a message here about Two police officers tragically murdered in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. 
And I, I, I guess what maybe you know more than I do about this at this point, Rhino. I, I had breakfast with a group this morning that that where I learned about this this tragic event, and apparently they were responding to some sort of of, of issue at a motel, right, and were ambushed by someone staying at the hotel who was uh, armed and uh, used a, a gun to murder these two officers. That That's that's about all I know at this point. Yeah, the reporting okay. has been that there was a call to the Motel 6. The officers responded to check on it, and they were ambushed by a woman with a firearm that after she used the firearm on the officers, she turned the gun on herself. Wow, yeah. Uh, Scary Gary's out here with me. He just told me the same thing. So she, so we don't know anything else but that at this point, uh, do we? I haven't seen any other, other details, but this is once again awful. And it, it makes you really think about uh, just how much these folks that, that wear the, the uniform in law enforcement, they just don't know. I mean, they're in harm's way constantly and here they are doing their job responding to a call not expecting this obviously thinking they're going to perhaps uh, prevent some sort of of acts of violence and in an altercation but instead they get ambushed by some fool that unloads on them and then turns it on herself what the heck is going on here i mean that's all we know right at this point right i don't think there are any other details but we yeah, are, I haven't seen an update Deeply saddened and disturbed to hear this, and and uh, our of course thoughts and prayers and hearts go out to the families of these two officers that were essentially ambushed and and murdered is what it was. And Jerry Imponitot points out where the professional athletes that take a knee and protest law enforcement in this country, and I agree with you, Jerry. It, it's uh, it's maddening. Uh, now again. We've said it so many times on the program. Being a police officer, being in law enforcement, it's a profession. It's a profession that consists of people, human beings. We ain't perfect. And there there certainly are some, as is the case in all professions, that, uh, that dishonor the profession. But they are the teeny tiny sliver of a fraction of a minuscule of them. But yet, once again, we have people in this country that that group think and they assign people into into groups it's collectivism and so everybody's like that well these are just two people doing their job and we don't know anything else about the officers but they're just doing their job they're not engaged in any kind of uh, police brutality or police abuse but if you listen to the left they would tell you that's every single person who puts on the uniform that that wears the blue which is insane it's ridiculous it's inaccurate it's a mischaracterization and uh, they don't deserve honestly the protection of these people when they disrespect it by protesting and taking a knee at a professional sports event but you know what they do it anyhow they do it anyhow and these people need to be aware that that only exists in this country we're stepping aside for a break right here middays is at mississippi blood services today come by and see us see us the need for blood is great please come by and donate coming back with more and then we've got uh someone from the national weather service joining us to give us an update 
Check it out. Let's do this. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's get on with it. On Super Talk Mississippi. Sunset Strip. Somebody's gonna make a happy trip tonight. While the moon is bright, he's gonna have a bag of crazy toys to give the corners up. Welcome back, everyone, to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I couldn't find any other details, Rhino. I don't know if you searched as well on this tragic incident in Bay St. Louis this morning where two police officers were shot and killed at a Motel 6 on Highway 90. And it's it's being reported in, in the national news media as well. It's just so tragic and so sad. And it, and it does infuriate you to some extent, for sure, as Jerry Imponitok points out, when you see these people that protest law enforcement, and they should not protest the entire profession and all the organizations that comprise law enforcement. If you want to protest the scant, teeny tiny few that disrespect the profession and act inappropriately and and inconsistent with policy, okay, fine. But to just virtue signal and really calling attention to yourself in a selfish fashion by kneeling or constant demonizing of law enforcement and all this defund the police nonsense and even Vice President Kamala Harris contributing to a a bail fund to release people that break the law. It's just all political expediency and personal gain and, and... selfishness and all these woke DAs all over the place that honestly disrespect law enforcement by not pursuing more rigorous prosecution of those who break the law, who were arrested, and then, uh, of course, go through the entire justice process only to find them back on the streets again committing the same dang crimes. Really ridiculous. And... We have a president, unfortunately, that won't say a lot about it. Heck, it feels like the entire Democrat Party won't even acknowledge or admit that we have a crime problem in this country. And the crime problem is a direct result of their policies and their unwillingness to lock people up for committing these crimes because they're tracking all sorts of silly statistics about the racial makeup of uh, the criminals and who gets who gets prosecuted who gets sentenced they're more concerned about that well you know what it shouldn't matter it that's racism in effect if you commit the crime you should pay the price and suffer the consequences period irregardless of your race of your race but that's what it's all about it's it's virtue signaling it's capitulating it's appeasing certain factions in this country rather than consistent application of the law it's ridiculous 
Charlie and Brandon text in, I spent 30 years in law enforcement. I lost many friends. The thought of getting killed was always in the back of my head. I had no fear of it, but was always concerned at this time of year. I did not want my children to remember Christmas in such a way. Now this is how the families of the two officers in Bay St. Louis will remember their Christmas. It's so right, Charlie, and, and so sad, and, and thank you for your service, for taking the risk and putting your life on the line so that we could be safeguarded. We appreciate that. I think I represent with those statements the sentiments of the midday's audience here. Thomas in Greenwood says, it's a tragedy. I just don't think there's anything government can do to dissuade someone who plans to die in the commission of their plot. And virtue signaling won't help either. The only possible cure would be to quit vilifying law enforcement. Yeah, it's a good point, Thomas, maybe. But in this case, who knows You know what kind of brain short circuits may have been going on with this, this perpetrator who ultimately took their own life. It's just impossible to even guess and speculate on that. No doubt those are the most difficult and challenging situations where they don't value their own life, so they certainly don't value someone else's. But I would, I would venture to say that, that if you did some research into that individual's background, you'd find it was they had a troubled upbringing in life. And once again, it's likely, and, and again, I'm just speculating here, it's likely just because statistics say it's likely that this person did not have, did, was not brought up in a traditional nuclear family, something that the left is working overtime to, quote, dismantle. And we pay the price. It often manifests itself in this sort of, of uh, violent acts. Everyone knows what is going on at these hotels in every town, says Kyle. Drugs, prostitution, and trafficking. This should have been shut down everywhere years ago, but it's more prevalent than area than ever. I, I fear you're right, Kyle, and, and we, we've had discussions with the Attorney General, with law enforcement in the area that have discussed certainly the, the flow of drugs and human trafficking. It does seem to occur often at these hotels, and, and sometimes it appears the hotel attendants are in on the scheme and have uh, have heard there's others that maybe even in government that are in on this, this scheme. Um, again, I'm certainly not indicting anyone specifically here, but those have been uh, those have been rather consistent reports where we've got corruption shocking right going on as well. Extremely sad, and again, God bless the the families of these officers in Bay St. Louis who lost their life in the line of duty. Gerard, is it just as possible that she had a history of drug abuse? Says Moses. Absolutely, sure. Um, but you know, folks are likely to go down that path again when there's something missing in their lives in their childhood. Uh, statistically, that is a higher probability. And no doubt that what's going on with drug abuse in this country and, and the flow of drugs 
is a serious problem that we certainly should all be cognizant of and aware of and, and disturbed by. And it's a tough thing to to address, without a doubt. Well, let's see. Ben from Madison says, awful. So sad to hear that. Certainly going to be thinking and praying for their loved ones today. Appreciate that. Yes, I saw, again, a minimal amount of information that is being reported by even the national media, but we'll see what we can find out and, of course, pass it on to you. Turn our attention a bit to sports, of course, yesterday. We discussed the passing of Mississippi State head football coach Mike Leach, and as we pointed out in the prior segment, we've got Flint Minshew, a personal friend of Coach Leach, and also the father of NFL quarterback Gardner Minshew. He's going to join us here at Mississippi Blood Services in the Element Well Studios at 11.05. Looking forward to that conversation. But over at Jackson State, to got to be aware and stay aware of the fact that Coach Prime it took a job at the University of Colorado, the Colorado Buffaloes. He's the head coach out there now, so he left a void in the head coaching spot at Jackson State. Athletic Director Ashley Robinson at JSU announced that wide receivers coach T.C. Taylor is going to be the new head coach of Jackson State, succeeding Deion Sanders. So he really only had to look down the hall for his next coach, did uh, A.D. Ashley Robinson. Taylor said, quote, it means everything to be named head coach. It means coming up as a kid, uh, being a fan in that, in parentheses, Veterans Memorial Stadium. It has been a dream of mine to be a coach here, but to be a head coach with some of the names that have been through here, W.C. Gordon, James Carson, and Coach Prime Sanders, those are big shoes to fill, but I am excited. Robinson said that he was looking for an offensive-minded coach. He was an offensive coordinator for two seasons and coached wide receivers this year under Sanders. So got his man, T.C. Taylor, the next head coach of Jackson State University. It's time for a break here on Middays. We are at Mississippi Blood Services on Treetops Boulevard off of Lakeland Drive in Flowood, Mississippi. Coming up next, we've got a meteorologist from the National Weather Service to give us an update on the severe weather that's raking across the state of Mississippi. Stay with us. Gerard Gibbert. Welcome, welcome to our shop on Super Talk Mississippi. Okay, now you have a good one. Welcome back. 
Hey everyone, we are at Mississippi Blood Services today, midday, Super Talk Mississippi. Please come out and donate blood. The need is very urgent. Joining us now is Michael Edmonston, Senior Meteorologist with the National Weather Service. Michael, good morning. Thanks for joining Middays. Give us an update, please. Yes, good morning. Um, currently, we're in a rather bit of a lull. We have a stalled boundary um, right across the Natchez Trace, and we're continuing to monitor for uh, flash flooding. We've already had some uh, flood reports in backyards, people sending pictures in the backyards, flooded and some street flooding around the area. Um, but what we're really monitoring is a disturbance that's moving into East Texas that's going to swing across Mississippi later this afternoon and evening, and that's going to help redevelop some more vigorous storms, and we're going to see a, an even greater enhanced threat across southeast Mississippi for tornadoes, some even strong, um, hail up to the sides of golf balls and including damaging wind gusts up to 70 miles per hour. Again, this is pretty much going to be across southeast Mississippi during the afternoon and maybe into the early evening hours before it shifts east into Alabama. So currently we still have a tornado watch in effect for uh, Rankin County all the way down Brookhaven and then up to up to Kemper County. Um, that expires at 1 p.m., so there will be another tornado watch coming out to cover the rest of the afternoon and into the evening hours until the cold front shifts southeast, ending the severe threat. But until then, there will be a threat of severe weather, including flash flooding across much of the, like, the southeast part of Mississippi. Gotcha. What about uh, any severe weather that's already moved through the area? Have there been any reports of, of tornadoes touching down, doing damage, hail, or just strong winds? Okay, we haven't had any reports of uh, hail at this point, even though there was a couple of storms down in the early, um, down around Brookhaven and uh, central, south central Mississippi earlier in the morning. What we have seen is, uh, and have received is indications on radar. We can do radar confirmed tornadoes. There's a, a debris signature that we uh, look for as meteorologists on the radar that helps us identify not just the potential of a storm producing tornado, but actual damage indicating, you know, damage flying or debris flying aloft indicated by the, by the radar aloft. So we're able to confirm some that way, but we have not um, sent out any damage survey teams to assess any any type of rating on tornadoes. We've issued probably upwards of 15 to 20 tornado warnings at this point and probably have at least 10 that we're considering will be confirmed tornadoes. So it's already been, uh, you know, an outbreak across the area, and it looks like we're kind of like in a wall right now, but it's not over yet, especially for the southeastern portions of Mississippi. Um, be aware later this afternoon and uh, into the early evening hours. Hmm. So just looking at the, the present radar picture, it, it looks like the, the patch of, of rain that's um, fairly moderate to fairly strong is kind of draped across the center part of the state, but it, it looks like it's moving on more of a, a northeasterly track. That seems a little unusual, does it not, when we have a cold front approaching from the west? Um. No, it's not because the cold front has already approached and stalled out. 
But that disturbance okay. that I was talking about, it's moving in from the west. It's moving into, you know, or going across East Texas now. I'll be tracking across Louisiana this afternoon. Will generate a, another surface low that's basically south of Lake Charles area, almost into the northwest Gulf. That'll be riding from southwest to northeast up along the stalled front and help regenerate everything. And then once it clears out, everything will be shifting. Um, like I said, east into Alabama. But southwest to northeast, that's uh, pretty much the main track of the storm this time of year. I mean, that's what gets our gold fronts coming down in here and you know, things clear out from the west behind the cold front. But we've got a stall boundary right now. So what you're seeing on the radar is accurate. I mean, <laughs> and they're still monitoring uh, for flooding. Matter of fact, I think we've got a flash flood warning right now that goes across uh, Natchez. So some of that rain's locally heavy and stacking up. Okay. So tell us again about uh, what you're concerned about later on in the day with this disturbance that's presently in East Texas. Share that with us again. Okay. Yeah. Like you said, basically we have a stalled boundary that's pretty close to the Natchez Trace corridor, and this boundary is just going to meander here for the next couple of hours. But as that disturbance that's currently over East Texas moves across Louisiana, we'll start to see a regeneration of a surface low to the southwest that'll ride up the stall boundary and start generating stronger storms. And these storms will be capable of spawning tornadoes, uh, hail the size of golf balls, and producing damaging wind threats. And some of the tornadoes would be uh, strong. That's a possibility, EF2 or greater, um, especially across uh, our far southeast, Lamar, Marion, Forest counties, and maybe even up into Jones. And we already currently have a tornado watch box existing across the area, even though we're not, we don't have any warnings at this time, but we're expecting additional warnings and numerous uh, tornado warnings across southeast Mississippi later this afternoon. Okay, gotcha. And then when can we expect it to be out of the state of Mississippi, the, the rain, the storms, et cetera, later on this evening? Uh, yes. It should all be over by midnight. Um, we're hoping that it's out of our area before 9 p.m. But Gotcha. What's in store for us after that, after the front moves through? Uh, cooler and drier weather. It looks like uh, we'll be going colder than normal. We've been warmer than normal uh, lately, but uh, we'll start seeing some mornings around freezing and below and dry weather. There is one other little disturbance that may bring light rain to the southern portions of Mississippi uh, Saturday night, but from, for the most part, it looks dry and, and colder than normal. Okay. Well, that certainly will be welcome. Michael, appreciate you calling in the middays and giving us an update. Take care. Thank you. Great. Thanks. All right, folks, there you have it. The uh, I'm looking at this big old batch of rain that's just draped right on top of the uh, central area of Mississippi, diagonally extending from uh, the river down in the southwest corner of the state all the way up into the Columbus and West Point area and just starting to to uh, advance on into the state of Alabama. But we should be weather aware for additional severe weather as Michael informed us of from the National Weather Service, moving into the area later on today, tonight, uh, it sounds like. So please be aware of that and take cover as necessary. We'll keep you updated as much as we can here. So the um, hmm, 
Yesterday, President Biden signed the same-sex marriage bill. But, you know, this is just more of this, I don't even know what to call it. It's just theatrics is what I'm going to call it. He included, it was quite a lavish ceremony at the White House, included drag queens. Why do we have to have drag queens? What's this all about? How, how do drag queens coincide with the title of this legislation, Respect for Marriage Act? It was kind of a bizarre ceremony, honestly, that had Washington elites. You had uh, activist musicians on hand, including Cindy Lauper, uh, drag queens. Uh, this was, of course, celebrated uh, by the left. It was witnessed by thousands of people on the White House South Lawn who honestly were barraged with music from non-binary English singer Sam Smith, as we said earlier, musician Cindy Lauper. The president, uh, it, it is said, personally invited a number of drag queens to attend the ceremony, some of whom have performed in front of children. Again, you want to go be a drag queen? And engage in, in, in entertainment for adults? Knock yourself out. Thrusting that on children? Nope. Ain't right under any circumstances. To be a non-binary drag artist invited to the White House is something I never imagined would happen, said drag queen Marty Gould Cummings. Wrote that on Instagram. Thank you, President and Dr. Biden, for inviting me to this historic bill signing. Grateful doesn't begin to express the emotions I feel. This just seems, Rhino, like another situation where we are tied up in knots like a pretzel trying to appease, again, a sliver of the population. Now, concerns about the legislation in general are, are kind of a separate matter. But why all the fanfare for something like this? I want to see the president sign a tax cuts bill. Can I get an invitation to that? I'll be there with bells on celebrating that one. Can we make that happen? Good grief. This is so crazy. And, and later on in the program, Rhino's going to play a video I sent him where Joe Biden made some remarks concerning this legislation. We're stepping aside for a break right here. When we come back, Brittany Mitchell with Mississippi Blood Services. Stay with us. Properly set all controls before recording. All systems go. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. So this is Christmas. And what have you done? Another year over. And you won't just be Welcome back, everyone, to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. The Element Well Studios relocated to Mississippi Blood Services in Flowood, Mississippi, at the headquarters. Joining us now, Brittany Mitchell with Mississippi Blood Services. Brittany, good to have you on. Good to be here again. 
thank you. It's nice to be here, and thank you for being here today. All right, tell us what we need. We need blood, right? We do, always, especially on days like today Yeah, with right. all the weather that's been going on. Yeah, I'm worried about that. I, ho I hope it doesn't deter people from coming out because uh, I think we've got a break in the severe weather, according to what the National Weather Service meteorologist uh, Michael Edmonston just informed us in the last segment. So get in your vehicle and come on down here to, to uh, Mississippi Blood Services in Flowood, Mississippi. And let's see, we've got other senders are having some stuff going on too as well today, right? Yes. Tell us what's going on. Yes. So right now, uh, when you donate at the Flowood, Oxford, or Cleveland Center, we uh, are letting our donors receive their choice of either a very stylish embossed knit beanie or a 12 ounce ceramic campfire mug that includes a packet of hot chocolate so okay. you can stay cozy and warm yeah and because it's going to get cold it's what uh, the meteorologist just told us after this rain moves through here mm -hmm. All right, so what else we have going on specifically at the flowwood facility related to the uh, the passing, the tragic death of uh, Coach Mike Leach. What we got going on there? Well, first and foremost, our thoughts uh, are with his family and the entire Mississippi State University community. And to honor his memory, uh, we'll be giving our blood donors a desk-sized cowbell um, at the Flowood Main Center, and only while supplies last. So when they're gone, they're gone. But. Yeah, got it. I saw it. It's pretty cool too. Um, Santa? We got some something going on with Santa? Yes. <laughs> it's actually a really big giveaway that is sponsored by Blood Centers of America. So there's several other uh, blood centers across the country participating. Um, so all donors that have donated between November 25th until uh, December 16th can enter. Um, what you'll do is during your donation or even after you just take a picture post it on social media by using the hashtag Santa's blood donors and complete a form to register but this is the cool part there are so many different gifts and big ones at that Dyson hair dryers um, AirPod Pros there was a big fireplace uh, fire pit oven for pizzas Wow! set like a huge list of items that you could uh, potentially win by yeah. entering all right, so tell us, uh, tell our folks a little bit about the process of uh, donating blood. Yep. Well, it only takes about 30 minutes tops. Um, that's from checking in, doing your health uh, questionnaire and your evaluation. Uh, you sit in the chair, watch a show, um, and before you know it, about 10 minutes later, if you're doing whole blood, uh, you just sit in the canteen area and eat some snacks and you're on your way. Yes, yeah, really simple. It's painless. The folks here are great. They're so friendly, so good to work with. They they're passionate about what they do and they they know they are uh, really helping uh, often save someone's life. Mhm. Mm oh yes, they're they're wonderful. They're a wonderful team. We love to have them here. Yeah. All right, so we're in Flowood, Mississippi, and we've got, uh, th this is a spacious facility. It's really, it's top flight. It's first class, no doubt about it. And so it's, it's very comfortable. You get to, to uh, lay down on a, on a cot, on a bed, essentially, while uh, the blood is being drawn, and the folks are right there with you. The technicians are checking on you, making sure everything's good. It's just, it's, it's painless process and, and uneventful. It gets you in, gets you out. 
and uh, get some snacks uh, before you get out of here. And mm-hmm. You're good to go. And even some goodies yes. while we have them. Right? You're giving the gift of life to others, so we're going to give you a little gift, too. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's truly awesome. Uh, it, you know, I, I know we always ask this, and it seems like the question is, we need all types of blood. But anything in particular that where we've got a particular shortage right now? I will say always all blood types are needed. Um, you never know, especially with natural disasters, especially with all these tornadoes going on. Um, but speaking on that, O negative is something that's a universal blood type, so anyone can receive it. And, okay. Um, that's always something that we're looking for. Will a person who donates blood learn what their type is? If yes. they don't know it when yes. they come in and donate? Mm-hmm. Um, when you do donate blood, uh, once everything is processed, about two to three days later, we have that information, and they can set up a donor portal and access it or just give us a call okay. for their blood type. I- anything that might prevent a person from being able to donate blood other than just a simple evaluation they get here? Um, any, any other restrictions with respect to, say, COVID, vaccines, etc.? Um, if you've gotten your COVID vaccine, that does not defer you. Okay. Um, you could even donate on the same day. Uh, one thing, you do have to be 110 pounds, uh, 17 or older, um, but certain medications okay. might play into that. Well, we um, can cover that in more detail yeah. in, in the next time you come on here an hour from now. But appreciate you coming on, folks. Once again, uh, you heard uh, Brittany. We need blood. We need all types. Come on by and see us in Flowood, Mississippi, and Mississippi Blood Services. We're stepping aside for a break right here for Super Talk News and Fox News. When we come back, Flint Minshew, friend of Coach Mike Leach. Stay with us. Welcome to the show that challenges you to think deeply deeply. and look beyond political posturing. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone, to Midday Super Top Mississippi. We thank you so much for joining us today. We are once again on location at Mississippi Blood Services where the need is critical. Please come out and give the gift of life by donating blood. They take really good care of you. It's painless. It's simple. It's fast. Folks here are very friendly and have servant's heart. So, Come on out and give blood, folks. You can't help, Rhino, but think about the great J.T. Williamson, who anytime we were here and he was, of course, fighting his illness, he would call in and join us remotely and really talk about his experience here at Mississippi Blood Services and how critical it was to his fight against uh, that cancer that ravaged his body. And, And you recall... He always used the the phrase, "You just don't know what it's like until you're other on the other side of the bag," and that that just that just resonates, does it not? It sort of says it all right there. That when you need it, you're so appreciative for those that have uh, answered the call to help uh, their fellow human beings, and that's really what you're doing here. So please come on out 
and donate blood, Mississippi Blood Services, uh, across the state at all the various locations. Oxford, Cleveland, Neshoba General Hospital, they're all ready and willing and able to accept a year your generous donation of blood. We're uh, waiting for Mr. Flint Minshew to join us. I think we're going to push him back, uh, had uh, a delay, and we're going to push him back to either the next segment or the one after that in this hour. Looking forward to that conversation. In the meantime, we had discussed earlier oh, the drama, this, this big ceremony, the fanfare at the White House on the White House lawn yesterday in the signing of the Respect for Marriage, marriage, pardon me, marriage act. What an ordeal that was with Joe Biden inviting his drag queen buddies. It says he made personal invitations and had other elitists and activists along these lines all on hand for this historic signing. Oh gosh. And again, you know, from a legislative perspective, I don't have a problem with it as long as it does not compel or force. And there's still a question. Force a religious organization, for example, a business or uh, public institutions, schools, when when they have to in some way uh, have to accommodate and, and act in a way that I think is harmful to children or in a way that conflicts with their sincerely held religious beliefs, well, then you're infringing on another's rights. And, and that, I think, remains to be seen. You remember a couple of weeks ago we had Aaron Rice from the Mississippi Justice Institute, and, and he seemed to be comfortable with the language that it wouldn't do that. But, you know, when you put it out there in practice, once these bills get signed, they seem to evolve and take on another life. And the next thing you know, somebody's suing you because you won't bake a cake or do a website and all that sort of stuff. Well, that's just wrong. That's infringing on another's rights. That's never okay. Uh, in my view. But the president made a statement or two yesterday as part of this event. And I want you to listen here. I think Rhino's got it teed up for us. Justice Thomas went even further, and he wrote the following quote. We should reconsider all the court's substantive due process presidents, including Griswold, Lawrence, Obergefell. That means he thinks we should reconsider whether you got the right access to, concept, to, to contraception. And yes, we should reconsider whether you have the right to marry who you love. And that's not only the challenge ahead. When a person can be married in the morning and thrown out of a restaurant for being gay in the afternoon, this is still wrong. Serious question here, folks. Let me repeat it, what he said there, his final statement. When a person can be married in the morning and thrown out of a restaurant for being gay in the afternoon, this is still wrong. I'm asking our audience, you only need send us a message if you can answer in the affirmative. Have you ever seen, ever seen anybody be thrown out of a restaurant or a place of business for that matter simply exclusively, solely, because they are gay. I can't, I can't think of that. I cannot think of a single example anywhere in my life on this earth. I cannot. Rhino, you? Ever seen that? 
Mm, no, and I'm struggling to figure out how someone's sexuality even comes up when you're at a restaurant ordering food. Right. Right. How yeah. would one determine someone else's sexuality over ham and eggs or a roast beef slider <laughs> or steak and potato? Couldn't agree more. And, and let me just say this. I would oppose such action. I could not condone such action. I, you know, and keep this in mind. Even when it's a situation where we've got this case that's making its way through the Supreme Court right now, the one where a web developer refused to develop a website for a gay couple on religious beliefs, on the grounds of their sincerely held religious beliefs. You, who could forget the cake-baking case in Colorado where the bakers who specialize in, in baking wedding cakes wouldn't do so for the wedding of a gay couple. Uh, I, I, you know, those, those situations are different because obviously they're getting intimate knowledge about the couples in this case. We're getting married. We want a website to feature. Well, that's pretty obvious. But as Rhino points out, you go into a restaurant, and let's keep this in mind. These people are in business to make money. They want to take your money. They want to perform services to take your money. But if they feel strongly enough from their religious convictions that they just can't do it, well, you've got to respect that. Again, I believe that as a, as a business or any business in this country has the right to do business with whom they want at whatever price and terms the parties agree to, regardless, unless they are bound by some contract or some condition of their license for, for being in that business. But this is government forcing. And in this case, Joe got it all wrong. You, you heard what he said. When Chief Justice... Uh, Thomas discussed possibly revisiting those cases. He wasn't a talking about that from a, 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 a substance perspective. He was talking about it from a constitutional perspective. Of course, Joe and the Democrats, they're holding this as, well, these conservative Supreme Court justice, they just they want to outlaw totally contraceptives and interracial marriage and, and same-sex marriage in this country. No. They're wanting, to, they're wanting to overturn cases that, frankly, conflict with our Constitution. Because there is no guarantee to such rights in our Constitution. They want to send it back to the states, just as what happened with the, the overturning of Road through the Dobbs case filed by the state of Mississippi, the Attorney General of the state of Mississippi. Same deal. That's all he's saying here. Maybe this is something that doesn't belong uh, at the federal level. It's not constitutionally protected, and it should uh, be decided at the state level. Simple as that. And in the case of the people that were looking to get a cake baked for their wedding, I'm quite sure there were plenty of other bakers that would accommodate them and, and readily take their business, happily take it. It's the same with the... The website developer, Rhino, pointed that out yesterday. It's like, wasn't it determined, Rhino, there's like another one a quarter mile or something away, based a quarter mile away, their offices that would, would accommodate. So they weren't permanently harmed or harmed at all, honestly. That ought to be the issue. But 
It's Remind because us. liberals and Democrats have to fabricate this horrible, terrible world to live in for whatever weird, wacky ideology they have to the point where it wasn't all that long ago that I want to say it was The Daily Show on Comedy Central sent two actors to act like a gay couple, two guys, to the Mississippi State Fair with a film crew trying to show that Mississippi was homophobic. I remember And they that. followed them around. They had stereotypical redneck outfits on and rainbow Dixie flags in their back pocket, and they didn't run into a single person that had a problem with them. <laughs> well, I, I think that what we said at the, at the top of the segment here, I, I couldn't condone that behavior either if, if a restaurant tossed out a patron simply because of their sexual orientation. No, I couldn't support that. I, and I consider myself to be a fairly conservative individual, but they try to paint us all that it, it, because they get political value out of it by lying and misrepresenting us, mischaracterizing us. I can't stand it. We're taking a break here on Middays. We'll be back at Mississippi Blood Services in the Element Well Studios. Stay with us. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. We're rolling. Hit it. Go. Play it. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. Midday Super Talk Mississippi. So on the ceasefire tax line, we were just talking about this signing of the uh, Respect for Marriage Act. Big old ceremony at the White House yesterday, making just a huge deal out of this. Guarantee you, you get more fanfare, more coverage on an event like that than you would uh, something related to, let's say, law enforcement some sort of heroic event, guarantee you, even the military, in my view, as much as Joe likes to kind of hold himself as this big supporter of uh, the military uh, and the men and women in our, our armed forces, I, I just don't think they get the same sort of uh, reception, same sort of ceremony, same sort of pomp and circumstance. Really don't. DW in Madison on the ceasefire text line says, Unless that restaurant customer was advertising their sexual orientation, but even then, I, I just don't think, I'm not aware of any restaurateurs that would um, escort or ask that patrons leave the premises and, and, and not patronize the restaurant not be allowed to eat in the restaurant. I just can't see it. I've never seen it, honestly. And I can't see it, but when Joe Biden, when the president makes that sort of statement, you'd like to think you can rely on its veracity, that you could absolutely take it to the bank, that it's rooted in some, some examples 
Well, maybe we're Some. personalizing this too much. Maybe it's just because Biden spends all his time in D.C. and in Vermont. Maybe there's just a whole bunch of bigots in D.C. and Vermont. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, and uh, and Delaware is home. Um, yeah, may, that's a good point. Maybe he's seeing it and witnessing it uh, in the areas that would hold themselves up as being more tolerant, right? More diverse, more inclusive. I just don't see it. And I obviously we live in a fairly conservative state, and I know there are a lot of folks in Mississippi that that uh, object on religious grounds to same-sex unions and marriage, and, and that's fine. I think we have to respect them for their beliefs but they should respect others of course but I've, I've never seen them get to a point where they want to discriminate against those people in that fashion and by the way refusing to do business with someone that's not discrimination i believe that is a protected right a protected right unless of course there's a contract or there is some licensing condition that says you can't do that well, that's different. You knew that going into it, so now you're breaching it. But if we get to a point, I mean, that, that is the essence of central planning government, big government socialism, is when they start telling you who you can and cannot do business with and what price you're going to charge uh, for your services or goods. That's a problem. That's just a problem. CC in Senatobia says liberals have to make everything sound worse than it is. The truth isn't necessary, doesn't even factor in. It just seems like it, for, again, for political expediency. Someone actually asked uh, earlier, Rhino, what is non-binary? Because we, we talked about, uh, we discussed that it, it was reported that a number of non-binary individuals, self-described non-binary individuals, attended the ceremonies uh, yesterday. And so essentially non-binary people, they could identify as a, a, just a separate, uh, a third gender, not a traditional male or a female, but something else. They could also called gender fluid. They could fluctuate gender identity uh, with, without just being steadfast as a particular gender. They could have various sexual orientations as as well, and not just a single. It's it's not the same as as being intersex. That's I know that's one of the terms Rhino brings up intersectionality, which I think the word intersex is derived from. It could be argued those people identify as either uh, male or female. <laughs> But non-binary people as a group just sort of vary. They they're really could uh, wake up one day and say that I'm this gender, and the next day I'm that gender, or I'm no gender. Just don't have a gender identity altogether. It's basically a gussied up way of saying, pay attention to me. Look at me. <laughs> exactly right. So if you see this report where a lady addressed a, a school board, and she came... <laughs> She came in dressed as a cat to mock the wokeness of the school board because there was a member of the school board that talked in a voice that's lower than mine, deeper than mine. I listened to some audio, but yet he wanted to be referred to as Mrs. It's <laughs> <And> ma'am. <laughs> exactly. 
It's just upside down, but this is a person on a school board. You will ignore what your eyes tell you. You will own nothing and you will be happy. <laughs> That's exactly right. Mailman Clayton says, sounds like mostly BS. Bingo. I believe that's what Rhino just said. This is all about calling attention to oneself. It's just it, These are just sad sacks. This is the only way they can get attention. Uh, you know, think about how you you rise through the the levels of the Maslow's of Maslow's hierarchy to the the top ring on the on the uh, pyramid where you are self-actualized, meaning you don't need other people to tell you how great you are to have good inner feelings about yourself, your value to society. These people, they can't get off the bottom rung, which typically means you're just looking for the, the basic needs of food and water and air and subsistence to function, to live. I'd also put in that category people that require acclamation and adulation and attention from others. They're way down there at the bottom as well, and they generally don't produce a lot for society, honestly. It's just trying to get attention, and I, I guess they feel like they need it to function. Dan in Hattiesburg is concerned, says now they're going to try to force evangelical churches to perform same-sex marriages. And that, of course, is the concern, no doubt, Dan. And, and we share that concern, and we hope that's not the case. That would be over the line. That it's also a surefire way the for there to be a lawsuit that makes its way to the Supreme Court and gets it knocked down as unconstitutional. Exactly. Uh, and that and by the way, that's a good point, Rhino, because now that it's enacted, the Supreme Court can't act unless there's a case before them. So there would have to be some sort of uh, legitimate claim and case filed by uh, some party or parties that felt like they were harmed in this situation by this law. And they uh, then, of course, could take up a lawsuit. And you're right. It would it would traverse its way through the the court hierarchy and likely end up at the Supreme Court where they'd rule again that this law is unconstitutional. Oh, gosh. I just don't get it. I really don't. William in Greenville says pure mental illness. I assume, I assume William's talking about the non-binary stuff. And, you know, if that's the case, William, then we want them to get help. If they're truly clinical and, and they've got a short circuit, uh, what was it, uh, Colonel Potter said in about uh, uh, Major Friedman, the psychiatrist that used to visit to the MASH unit. He said, we need you to come in here, Sidney Freeman, and chase the cobwebs out of the brain. Yeah, that's kind of the way I see this as well. And that's fine. Let's, let's help these people. What we don't want to do is what we're seeing in these schools we talked about a couple of days ago is this love bombing stuff, right, where someone starts even mentioning that maybe they're having a bit of gender dysphoria, and the next thing you know, all the teachers, or not all, but a good number of them in that particular school or that district, they're showering them with all this love, love bombing, which, of course, is the surest way to get uh, young folks especially to keep what uh, doing whatever it is they did that got all that attention it's 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 diabolical honestly it's a scheme it's a pernicious nefarious scheme that it does nothing but 
harm young people in, in that particular case. Crazy stuff, no doubt about it. Uh, Going to pivot a bit to economics. Uh, we got, we're up against the break right now, and I think we've got uh, Mr. Flint Minshew at Mississippi Blood Services joining us next. I just want to pass this on. We are expecting an announcement uh, later on today. It is scheduled from uh, Chairman of the Fed, Jay Powell, will announce their decision on interest rates, widely believed, expected that he's going to announce that the Fed decided to raise rates by uh, half a point, uh, 50 basis points. And that's what the market's expecting, and they're in the green right now. But I'm going to review Joe's speech from yesterday again later on in the program concerning inflation. We're coming right back with more. Stay with us. with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. It's gonna be a catfish Christmas Santa's on the lake He's dreading his whip-off fishing pole and a giant boat for his sleigh Welcome back, everyone, to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. We are live at Mississippi Blood Services. Rhino, I don't know where you found that one, but that is uh, pretty fitting for the state of Mississippi, and especially today with the torrential rains uh, draped across especially the central part of the state. Joining us now in the Element Well Studios here at Mississippi Blood Services is Mr. Flint Minshew, a personal friend of Coach Mike Leach, also the father of NFL quarterback uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles, Gardner Minshew, played his high school football not far from here at Brandon, right? right in Brandon, yes, yeah. sir. All right, so, Flint, uh, appreciate you coming on. And, of course, the entire state of Mississippi is still mourning the loss of uh, Coach Mike Leach. He touched so many, and his, his route took him uh, across the, the, the entire country to land here in Mississippi Yes. And I know that uh, you got to be friends with him, I believe. I'm going to let you tell the story, but because Gardner ended up playing for him at uh, Washington State when he was coach up there, right? Yes, Coach Leach, uh, very approachable, very uh, always, uh, you know, just very outgoing and easy to speak with. I had no air about him. Uh, I tell people all the time he could have been on the phone with Donald Trump or somebody like myself <laughs> and would have been the same person. Yeah. And um, That's what made him special. Made him special. He, he saw everybody the same. He had no ego about who he was. And, he, you know, he very well could have. But uh, he's just a good, good soul, good person. And, of course, we could never repay what he did for my son and his career because he, he changed the course of his life. Tell us how that came about. So Gardner, you know, not recruited out of high school, had no Division One offers, and played at junior college, and still not a lot of offers, got a late offer to East Carolina, went up there, and so he graduated, actually uh, had a, a degree from Northwest Community College and won a national championship, and um, got picked up by East Carolina, but he graduated in December of his junior year. So that, and this was before all the transfer portal was just a wide open. Yeah. And so he graduated and um, got an offer from Alabama. 
and of course that kind of made a few people raise eyebrows he had a few you know quite a few other calls after that to come in and um and then washington state started reaching out some of i think it was coach mealy Oh, was reaching out, and he was kind of like, hey, man, he goes, uh, what do you think? He goes, can you, can you get to the games? I'm like, you don't worry about that. I'll get yeah, to the games. Sure. And sure enough, Leach calls him up, and, and you know, you always hear the story, hey, uh, want, you can go hold a clipboard at Alabama, or you can come up here and lead the nation in passing, and that, and that <laughs> verbatim is what he told him, and Gardner committed on the phone. It was one of the happiest days of all of our lives, because wow. it, it was a dream of Gardner's. We, even like I coaching him in peewee ball, we ran aspects of air raid even back then so uh that was always a dream to play for coach leach and, yeah. and so glad that came true and now he's playing quarterback in the national football sure league is. and and not not sure he would be there right now if it was not for that opportunity and that's the one thing um talking to gardner this week and you know coach leach gave him an opportunity that even in alabama like they wanted him to come in and back up to uh and sure. back up and so they weren't really they were really offering him a, a glorified ga spot and yeah. um and you know leach was gave him an opportunity and then also encouraged him to be himself and you know i, I know y'all know his personality in a little bit and and leach didn't you know a lot of coaches wouldn't have been comfortable with that and leach encouraged him to be himself and go out there and have fun and um and they, you know, to this day, were very good friends. Uh, quick story, when he first got to Washington State, there's this app that the players were playing a joke on Gardner that, like, if, if they had my phone number and your phone number, you and I would think we were calling each other. Okay. And they would do that to Leach and Gardner. And so both of them would answer, and they'd be like, oh, well, hey, yeah. And then they'd talk for an hour and a half, you know, just like. So uh, they were very close. And uh, like I said, we're so sad. I mean, because he was still to this day a very good friend, talked to Gardner, encouraged him, still now, you know. And a friend of you, too, as well, right, Yeah, Flint? we became friends just obviously through, um, you know, we really got to hang out a lot when Gardner got to go do the ESPN award show and then yeah. the Johnny Unitas. So we went from Atlanta and then up to Baltimore for that. And one day in the airport, we're going through, and we're, we're on a tight schedule. And, of course, we'd been out having a good time the night before in Atlanta. And um, Coach Leach disappears in the airport, and of course the AD and the SID are, are freaking out. And uh, he had found a Popeyes chicken that was open at like six <laughs> in the morning, and rolls up with uh, some chicken and biscuits and red beans and rice. Not for anybody else, just for him. But uh, so uh, always, you know, there's a hundred stories like that you could tell about him. And that seems to be the consistent theme uh, in anybody that we've talked to or any accounts we've read ab- about Coach Leach. He, he was first and foremost just a good guy that just liked to interact with people and enjoy life. He, was, he just happened to be a, a big-time football coach. Just happened to be. That just was a giant. And the good thing about Coach Leach is if you wanted to talk football, he would. But I would say 90% of the conversations we had had zero to do with football. Yeah. You know, we got him up to the fair a couple of years ago when they did that coaches panel and you know leach always had somebody with him to kind of keep him on track as far as his schedule mm-hmm. and so we're in the cabin and of course we're having a couple cocktails and sitting around telling stories and this young kid is with him and he is sweating you can tell and i was like hey what's going on and he goes man we got a plane waiting on us in philadelphia we've got a, a room full of people in jackson we got to go see and 
finally literally just had to kick him out of the cabin I'm like man leach this kid's gonna lose his job if he doesn't get you to philadelphia and get you <laughs> right. on his plane you got to go and uh but he just lived in the moment he, he yeah. uh i told you know 61 years old but leach lived more than somebody who would live 120 years you know yeah, uh, full life and he got to coach football which is what he wanted to do you know he went to his wife had a law degree from pepperdine and said look i can make a lot of money right now and be unhappy or i can make practically no money and be happy and his wife sharon encouraged him and said look i want you to be happy and uh you know i mean wow. you see where they got him is is he to your knowledge flint uh the the type of coach that really made a point to stay in touch with his former players even after they had had passed through his system and and moved on some of course ascend to the pro rank some mm-hmm. uh take up jobs in business sure and, so and, and i can speak just on you know what i know about him and my son and yeah. I, I know they were very close and, and stayed in contact regularly yes yeah. Would there be situations where uh, Gardner maybe uh, dealing at that high level of competition had some challenges that uh, maybe he'd, he'd consult sure. with the coach well, he about? He leaned on Coach Leach a lot. Sure did. And Coach Leach always just encouraged, hey, you believe in yourself. You be yourself and do what you do, and and, um, and it's going to work out. And um, But, you know, that's interesting because his book, mm-hmm. um, Swing the Sword, Yes. Uh, he talks about that specifically, right. that, that he's a big believer in just being who you are, being yourself, being the best you can be, and mm-hmm. don't try to be something else or put on a front. And it sounds like he impressed that upon his players as well. He did. You think about it. It gives you a lot of freedom to, you know, when you can just be yourself and you don't have to worry, hey, the senator walked in or I better act this way or whatnot. <laughs> and uh, he was the same all the time. Yeah. And um, and he encouraged his players to be that way too. How just ironic is it, uh, Flint, that you guys travel out to Washington for mm-hmm. for Gardner to live his b- dream, chasing that dream. Sure, had that opportunity. Said so it was a happy save your life when, yeah. he, when he called, and then he ends up back here in Mississippi, where you're from, yeah. coaching in Mississippi State. Yeah, uh, little story. I heard Gardner one day on the phone, and I hear him going, no, 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 if that's what you want, don't hire him. He's not going to change. And I was like, this was during COVID, and I'm like, who was that? He goes, man, that was Cohen. He wants to know if Leach takes this job, if he's going to change. And he and he's like, no, he's not going to change. Yeah. Uh, if that's what you want, don't hire him. Right. Because what he does works. Right. Sage and, advice. That's and, right. And so essentially what Gardner was doing there was, uh, I think, passing on to A.D. Cohen what a coach had taught him. That's right. That's right. And, hey, just because he doesn't do it like Saban, it still works. Right. You know, yeah. and that, that's one thing I'd say about his staff. Those guys were like family. And, and, and I'm glad Gardner got to play for him obvious, for obvious reasons. But also, if he ever wants to go into coaching, you realize you don't have to do that 18 hours a day. You don't right. have to just be a jerk to everybody. And, and there's a lot of coaches, I would say, that, were on, that are still on his staff that could probably have bigger jobs. You know, moving on up the ladder, sure. but but I would say most of those guys are have good family lives and their kids are always around and and Leach always encourages that. Yeah, uh, being comfortable with your boss 
is a big part of being happy. A lot of that, yes. <laughs> uh, and that, that honestly, that, that trumps all the other possible fin financial rewards because it ain't no fun. You may be making more money, but if you're miserable. That's right. And he just seemed like the type of person that uh, was uh, what they call not only a player's coach, but he endeared his coaching staff to him. And I think that's why he got the most out of his team. Sure, because you, you look at wherever he was, Texas Tech, Washington State, Mississippi State, they were none of those schools are going to out recruit. Right. You know they weren't out recruiting Oregon, or you know USC or anybody in the Pac-12. I'm the smallest budget in the Pac-12, and but the guys he got, they won a lot of games. Flint, it's been a pleasure having you on the program, Thank you so and, much. and we are deeply saddened about the passing of the coach. And appreciate you coming in and and, and sharing some of uh, your personal experience. Sure. It means a lot. Appreciate well, it. Thank, thank you. you. Yes, appreciate sir. We'll step aside for a break right here. Middays is at Mississippi Blood Services. We're returning with uh, Brittany Mitchell from Mississippi Blood Services. Stay with us. Super Talk Mississippi. Frosty the snowman was a jolly happy soul with a corn cup pipe and a button nose and two eyes. Welcome back everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi on a very uh, rainy hump day. <laughs> It sure is. I mean, it is coming down in torrents out here now, Rhino, looking out the windows here at Mississippi Blood Services. Joining us now, Brittany Mitchell, Mississippi Blood Services. So tell us what we're looking for again here, Brittany. We're looking for blood, yep. all blood types. So y'all come see us. We've got some really great promotions going on, uh, one of which uh, when you donate, donate this week at our Flowood, Oxford, or Cleveland Center, uh, you will receive your choice of either a knit embossed beanie or a campfire mug that includes a packet of hot chocolate. All right, and let's talk about the hours in case somebody can't okay. get by today while we're here uh, on the air. Tell us about the hours, the locations, the hours. Okay, our main center in Flowood is open from 9 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Oxford and Cleveland both are 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. Um, Flowood is open on the weekends. Um, but we do have special hours coming up as well if you can't make it um, here in the next couple of days uh, for the holidays. We'll have those special hours. Okay. So we're going to be opening the main center in Flowood on Sundays, um, which is pretty exciting. Okay. Yeah. All right, so tell us, uh, who, are, who do you guys serve? So folks come in here and they donate blood. Uh, obviously, the the use of it in a, in a transfusion where someone needs blood is that hospitals, clinics, all of the above. Where where does it go from here? Kind of uh, map out the route for us. Mississippi hospitals. Okay. All throughout the state. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So you 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 go to any of the Mississippi Blood Services locations to to donate blood. It's harvested. And then it's, I assume, transported then to the hospitals where they inventory it? Is yes, that right? Yes, we deliver it to the hospitals. Okay, So they and they have the facilities, the systems, and so forth, the resources to uh, to store that. And then it, it is called upon as they need it for uh, various clinical uses. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's constant need. Constant need. So are there any benefits with respect to availability of blood 
to a person who actually donates blood? And is there is there anything that that they're entitled to if if they perhaps need blood down the road? Is, it, is there anything like that? Just curious. We do have donor <laughs> protection plans. Okay. Um, now I'm not the perfect person to answer all of the questions okay, sure. but we have people that know all about it but yes there are incentives for our donors um, that can help in the times that they need blood all right and, and that's once again uh, is there any particular ailments or that uh, someone has to be concerned about that maybe would disqualify them for donating blood any any sort of uh, tests that might be run or, or just anything in their their personal current health situation that would preclude them from donating? The main thing I always go to are certain medications, which we have a medication deferral list on our website and our resources page. Um, that's typically the main thing that we run into um, for deferrals. So just always double check if you know you're on medications uh, that you're prescribed to. Just run through that list or give us a call and we'll be able to let you know. From start to finish, from the time a person checks in to the time they they exit us uh, and they get their little snacks on the way out. About how long? Thirty minutes. Yeah. Thirty it's, minutes. Yeah. Pain, painless, convenient, fast. Everybody here is so nice, so helpful, so grateful as well. And we just had uh, a couple of folks come in uh, in the in the last segment that said, "I heard you on the radio. Came in to donate." And I mean, that's what it's all about. Oh, so yeah. they came They're in. Regulars. And, yeah, exactly. And mm -hmm. and we got them. Uh, signed up and uh, and in and out so and that's what we want um, and then you got we have locations across the state just to make sure that's understood as well today and we got the goodies too right we do have goodies <laughs> I will say um, if you're not in the Cleveland Flowood or Oxford area you can always visit our website to find a blood drive near you or give us a call at 601-368-2673 um, but yeah we've got some a really great giveaway for all blood drives and uh, centers um, our donors can enter into Santa's big giveaway where they could potentially win a Dyson hairdryer, AirPod Pros, the list goes on. Um, so please visit our website at msblood.com to see how to enter. Okay, awesome. But the uh, main thing is we need blood and we need you to come out and help. Is 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 this time of year, does that become a more, a more, is it seasonal in nature, Brittany, where you start to see the supplies run low just because people are traveling or out and about? And, and aren't able to take the time to come in and donate. Is that absolutely. something? Absolutely. Okay. All of the above. That okay. That's absolutely what it is. Okay. Yeah. And and so this time of year in particular is when you run into that because folks are are um, engaged in their their various holiday activities and so forth. But we need them to keep in mind that there's still folks that need blood. Yes. And um, often they need blood just to live. Mm -hmm. And so we need them to come in and donate. Uh, and don't let the, the rain scare you away. It's not severe weather, it's just a little rain, but you get dropped off here under the breezeway and bring your umbrella as well to come from the parking lot, but you're going to get taken care of once you come inside. Yep, it's dry in here. Absolutely. Good point. <laughs> Brittany Mitchell with Mississippi Blood Services has been our guest. We're stepping aside for Super Talk News and Fox News on Middays. When we return, it's Senator Josh Harkins.
Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone, to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. We are live at Mississippi Blood Services in Flowood, Mississippi, because we need blood. This time of year in particular, it is a critical need. And so we need you to come on out and donate blood. And they got some goodies for you here as well. It is painless. It is fast. It is convenient. And the folks here are really good at what they do, and they'll take good care of you. So please come on out and donate blood the gift of life joining us now josh harkins mississippi senator from district 20 rankin county good to see you senator hello how are you how about that uh discussion with flint Minshew? that's pretty that's cool one. great stuff yeah. great stuff i'm uh good friends with flint and i know their story is is one that everybody you could listen to over and over it's yeah. amazing uh what opportunities uh sometimes get put in front of you and and seizing the opportunity of the moment and and the rest is history. Yeah. Uh, clearly, Coach Leach uh, impacted uh, his NFL quarterback son oh. uh, quite a bit. And uh, my guess is he'd, he'd credit him for, for where he is today. And they still kept in touch, as, as Flint shared with us as well. And that, I think that's just a mark of uh, just a great person but a great coach. And, and I said this yesterday on the air, Senator, and I'll share it with you. I don't know that I've ever seen – a coach, uh, that high-profile coach, that has had his picture taken with so many just random people, which is just shows to me just what a good person he was because he was so accessible. He was not pretentious. He was not full of himself. He was just a regular guy that happened to be a big-time football coach, and I think that's what made him special. But I can't tell you the number of photos that I've seen of people out there. I know you've seen them as well, but that's a great testament. Oh, rant. Yeah, I think he he's an inquisitive uh, individual. He was intentional. Um, and the, the things that he would talk about were so off script of what you think he would want to talk about. You think you, if you're in a, you know, get an opportunity to sit with him, he's going to talk about football. He talks about anything but yeah, football. Yeah. And I had the, uh, the pleasure right when he got hired, uh, to go have dinner with him and a, and a few other people in kind of a really private setting. And, and I sat down at six o'clock and I finally looked at, uh, Dr. Keenum at 1230 in the morning and told him I had to go home, <laughs> but he was just, it was one after another, a story, uh, just something, you know, you, you talk about something here locally and, and then he'll opine about how he knew a guy that was either from Mississippi or knew something about an event in Mississippi or somebody tied to Mississippi. And it just, it was fascinating to, to sit there and listen to him <laughs> talk about any subject. I mean, it can be from Indians to girls <laughs> softball to, you know, water skiing or something. The guy had, you know, he was one of those guys that you could literally listen to all night, and it, it never got old. It just it got to where uh, the only person remaining in the restaurant was the the chef and the owner, and, and everybody <laughs> else was gone. He was like, all right, <laughs> super smart but, guy, yeah, and, just uh, relatable, and um, you know, I think uh, unfortunately, 
events like this, you know, always hindsight's twenty twenty, and people realize, um, you know, maybe we took for granted the, the the treasure that was Mike Leach, and and you know, unfortunately, people go through uh, events like this when you lose a friend or a loved one, and it's just like God, I need to be more intentional. I need to be. Um, I need to be or let people know how I feel about them. You know, you don't ever miss the opportunity to to tell someone how uh, how much they mean to you, or uh, you know. So you you know, I, I take that intentionally. I, you know, with passing my father, I got to really spend time with him and be intentional, and I think that helped me get through the process of it. But you know, we don't have those opportunities in, in a case like this. I mean, it's sudden. You know, you think you're going to see him on Monday, and yeah. um, just you know, it's it's sad, but it, it really, I, I think that's what I take away from this uh, experience over the last two days. Just watching TV, watching Twitter, is just the people from all over the country that were I let you know met Mike Leach at uh, I saw him in a bar in Key West, or I, you know, whatever their story was. It's, yeah. it's kind of the same mantra that it just everybody generally loved the guy and, and tremendous respect from the from his peers from yeah, the coaching from peers community i think that's the ultimate well. compliment no doubt people about people that it. are in your field that uh, feel that way about you yeah even your uh you know most quote toxic uh rivals yeah. it, it's it's refreshing to see that type of uh relationship and and the fact that he he meant that much to a lot of people he didn't give you a reason not to like you yeah you know, we should it's all hard. we should all uh, aspire to uh, uh, such an accomplishment and and such a life, honestly. Absolutely. But his his life, his legacy, will live on, and uh, I'm grateful that uh, you know his path crossed with the state of Mississippi. Yeah, I mean, it was good. It was good to see him uh, thriving here and and being a part of the the, the fabric of our of our state. Uh, I think he, you know, from trips i've seen him uh in starville to the capital to you know hearing interactions from mississippians they've had with him i think it's it, it, we're all better for it no doubt about it all right senator where it's hard to believe but uh in less than a month look i, yeah. I, I, I we need an arc <laughs> you guys will be paddling down yeah. to the capital at the rate it's going right now uh it, it truly is less than a month is uh, away and you'll, you'll be convening and assembling in an election year as yes. well. So let, let's go ahead and dispense with that. You running for re-election? Uh, no big secret, yes. I okay. To. Just wanted to make yeah. sure that the, the audience yeah. was aware that my, I was aware. But uh, you know, My wife may be looking for somebody to endorse, <laughs> but it's, uh, yes, I plan on uh, running for re-election. What, uh, what do you expect in the next session? Uh, well, I think the first and and really the most important reason why we're there is to do a budget to fund uh, state government to to do the things that we um, need to do and and uh, are supposed to do uh, i think we've uh, passed three years you know you go back to the beginning of this term and you know what a roller coaster it's been through a pandemic that <laughs> saw us shut down our economy and and go from you know i remember i think january that year we were up 200 maybe 240 million dollars over estimates and that yeah. was just absolutely unheard of i mean if people you know i can remember prior years thinking uh hearing the appropriations <laughs> chairman uh buck clark saying man i think we're gonna have 13 million dollars over the <laughs> the estimate this year uh we're gonna have 13 million dollars to put into capital expense and, right and to sit there in, in january and february and be up 240 million then all of a sudden in april be down Forty, fifty million dollars yeah. in the blink of an eye, and not knowing when that nightmare is going to end. Uh, you know, I think it's um, it speaks to uh, now. Looking back at it, it, you know, I'm 
I'm so grateful that we collectively and the governor, you know, said we're not going to shut down. This is, you know, this is the life of Mississippians, uh, their businesses, the economy of the state. Uh, it is a, a necessity, and, and we need to get back open and, and just everybody take precaution and, and let's keep moving on. We've got to. And um, I think the steps that we took to, to open back up and to get going again are or why we're in the position it's one of the reasons why we're in the position we're in today um but it, it's helped laid you know the groundwork to get through the last two three years uh and and be in a position where we are right now and it's just something that i don't think anybody would have predicted or could have foreseen uh, in january of 2020 no doubt i think that's absolutely right so we're we're uh, from a, certainly from a budgetary perspective we're we're doing quite well our rainy day fund is uh, is flush statutorily full yep it's good to go uh we passed a uh, fairly significant tax reform in the in the last session uh it's, i think you could describe it as somewhat of a compromise between the the initial bill that the house sought and speaker and and then uh how that got uh, changed a little bit in the senate and, the, and both chambers came together and we got yeah. the governor to sign off and i call it kind of a down payment on maybe what could be an eventual total elimination of the income tax but it was a dang good start yeah i, I think it was and and you know there there were a lot of different perspectives there were a lot of different uh ideas of how to get to it uh some had triggers some had just you know uh eliminating uh, the income tax and raising sales tax. I mean, there were a lot of different plans on the table, and there were a lot of different iterations that were considered. Uh, I think the, the the product that we settled on was prudent. I think it was aggressive. I think it was, I mean, we're the fifth lowest in the country. So it's not like we didn't take a, a big jump, uh, comparatively speaking, to other states. And we feel like it's something that we can absorb all the while still trying to, to digest the 2016 tax cut where we eliminated the franchise tax over 10 years. So mm -hmm. um, we we have demonstrated that we can walk and chew gum. We can, yeah. we can do this, and we can, uh, I think, in the, in the coming years, we'll see how the economy is. I mean, I think some of us uh, – rightly so predicted that we're going to have some some uh, i guess you can say consternation in the economy with with uh inflation and i don't know if we thought it was going to be this much but uh we felt like there was going to be some with all the federal money that was pumped into the state and so we've got extra money how we're going to handle that uh will remain to be seen but we've got some ideas i think that we'll yeah we'll be willing to to look at. We're at a break. Can you hang around? Absolutely. We talk some more in the next segment. We've got my Senator boat, Josh. Tied up over here. <laughs> We've got Senator Josh Harkins, who, by the way, is the chairperson of the Senate Finance Committee, represents District 20, Rankin County. Coming right back with Middays at Mississippi Blood Services. Stay with us. Back to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. We are back. 
back, midday, Super Talk Mississippi, live from Mississippi Blood Services today, where we need blood. The rain is subsiding a bit, so come on out, and uh, they'll take care of you here. They'll take good care of you, and you will be making a donation of uh, blood that certainly will be used to to help someone who is sick and maybe even save their lives. So we've got Senator Josh Harkins in the Element Well Studios at Mississippi Blood Services in Rankin County, Chairman of the Senate Finance Committee. All right, so the Lieutenant Governor has been talking about uh, the idea of a, a one-time tax rebate. You've probably talked to him about that, and, and that's just... I think uh, a function of, of having a significant surplus. We're e- exceeding signy die estimates. Obviously, we're collecting more revenue than than we um, have appropriated and are, are spending. And so the lieutenant governor says, well, let's send some of this money back. It would be, I, I don't know that, that he's uh, f- uh, fleshed out all the details, but conceptually, a one-time payment. Uh, would go out to the taxpayers of the state of Mississippi in in some amount that I don't know that he's actually even proposed in an, an amount. What do you think about this? Well, I think the, the, the first number I heard was the difference in what we had, had budgeted and what we actually collected. I think okay. it was around $279 million. So um, that was a, a starting point, you know, just to put a number out there. But if you look at, at what the difference in doing a rebate versus trying to accelerate or do some policy move that's that has long term effects that you know into the future that we don't know what the revenue is going to be like next year and and uh the the you know other states i think Georgia sent a rebate out i think they're looking at proposing doing another one this year florida um it's a it's a snapshot in time you know right now we've got an exceptional large balance of of funds that are over and above what we normally do and i think if you look historically our collections you know there's nothing like this that we've ever experienced right. this type of of influx of cash and i think they looked at i looked at the numbers with budget uh the budget folks and i think we had 35 billion dollars of federal money pumped into the state over and above what we normally have in a given year uh, during COVID, hmm. over the period of a year or two, and of that, about 15 billion of it went to individuals through PPP, EIDL, disaster assistance, unemployment compensation. That's direct payments to individuals where they've got cash in their account and they're spending money. I mean, if you look at what our why our revenues were up so much, our sales tax had jumped no up doubt. significantly. So let's be clear before you go any further, just to point out to the audience, what we mean by direct is did not flow through the state, was not appropriated no. by the state, went directly to people. The, the people. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And they had that money sitting in their bank account and yeah. you know, COVID, it. you can't take can't take trips you can't really go anywhere you're locked down so what do you do you renovate your house you, you know you buy you know a new car you, you do whatever you're doing while you're sitting at home so all this money was turning over and it was an unusual kind of an anomaly of revenue collections going on over the last year or two that has put us in this position now we're not going to get a, a 15 billion dollar uh injection to people right. next year or the year after the year after so you know, I kind of equate it to if you if you had a job where you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year and your boss gave you a seventy five thousand dollar bonus, do you live like you're making one hundred seventy five, <laughs> or do you live like you're making a hundred? Uh, we can always adjust. When I mean, we've cut taxes in the middle of a largest tax cut in state history, with the largest tax cut in our state history, so we can look at going into the future. You know, this implementation of the tax cut we passed this past year is four years. So, in I mean, this will be the first year in twenty three of the tax cut where we eliminate the 4% uh, bracket, and then we'll bring the, the 
uh, tax rate from 5% down to 4% over the next three years. Well, in the midst of that, we can take a look at our economy and say, hey, yeah, you know, guys, the, 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 the revenues have not checked up. We're just, we're way over, you know, mm-hmm. we're over $8 billion, $8.5 billion. Well, as long as we're budgeting appropriately and we've got that room, we've got flexibility to, to move in the future. I just don't know if it would be the, with everything going on in our economy and our world right now, I don't know if now is a good time to, to take that uh, that step. You know, we can always do it in the future. Uh, we've got four years to implement it. And by then, the four-year period, we'll have that tax cut and the one from 2016 fully implemented. And we'll kind of have a better indication of where we are in our economy. And I think that's, uh, you know, what we're what we're looking at proposing is a, is a rebate uh, to the citizens to pay back uh, some of the tax dollars that they're paying. Okay. And and we also, of course, eliminated the 3% tax cut. Are we in the final year of that now? Uh, that we did that in the first three. It took three years to do the 3% bracket. Okay. So that one is already That's fully done. gone. Okay, gotcha. Uh, we're going to do the 4% in one year. It's about $185 million hit. Um, one of the other things that we did last year that uh, – people your listeners probably wouldn't even realize is a long time ago somebody in the legislature the budget was it was getting towards the end of the year and they said you know we don't know if we're gonna have enough money let's make everybody prepay their june sales tax instead of paying in july prepay it in june so it'll hit this fiscal year and we can make up this deficit that we're fixing to face and so if anybody had a sales tax uh, liability over a certain dollar amount, you had to prepay it, and you had to guess that you had to be within 5% of that number. or some. It was crazy. You had to be pretty close to correct on it, or else you got penalized. And so we wound up saying, look, let's just let's stop that practice. Let's do like we do the 11 other months out of the year, yeah. and you pay it the following month. We ate that in, in a year, and that was $176 million that we did without. So we, we've, we've straightened that out. Uh, which should help our businesses not have to do something that uh, you know should never have been done in the first place. Yeah. But we've we've taken a lot of steps to help with uh, get our kind of our fiscal house in order, and I think we've done that. We've demonstrated that we've paid off uh, this year. We'll pay off another three hundred six million dollars. We'll be under four billion dollars in debt. Our statutory limit's about thirteen billion. Didn't uh, borrow any. Didn't last borrow year. any money last year. We're not going to borrow any money this year. And what that does, not only does that put our our balance sheet in, in a better situation, we we've got less debt. But it saves recurring dollars that would have gone to debt service. Right. You know, you're looking at $45, $50 million a year that we don't take a bond, uh, make bonds this year or next year, then we're saving those dollars. Those yeah. dollars can go to other inflationary measures that we're currently experiencing, whether it's health insurance, whether it's the cost of, you know, just the government's not immune from inflation. Uh, and it hits them too. Uh, no doubt. And, and of course, uh, more expensive debt service with interest rates rising the way they have. Absolutely. So that, that, that turns out to be a pretty prudent move. So with respect to the lieutenant governor's thoughts about this one-time rebate, are, are you familiar with any any of the mechanics, any of the details on what he has in mind there? Uh, I think that's fluid. I think you, you figure out, you know, if you're, if you're married, file, and single, you get a certain percentage up to, you know, a cap. And, and basically, you've got to pay in to get something back. Percentage of your income percentage or of percentage your, of your of your taxes? Paid. Okay, well, because he said based on income, and I, and um, that that may have just uh, been sort of and incidental. I think that but translates to how it much you pay. Generally does, yeah. yeah. If it's think, taxable income, it yeah. certainly does. And yeah. there's certainly time to figure out what what that would look like. But I think it's it's to you know give back to people that are paying taxes uh, yeah. that are out there I and, totally you know, agree. working hard and, and they're experiencing inflation just like everybody else and uh we we you know give back some of that hard-earned money and uh let them decide what to do with it yeah i mean that makes makes perfect sense we are 
likely facing a bit of economic headwinds, as, as you alluded to a couple of moments ago, that may have a negative impact on revenues. Mm-hmm. And well, you know, we kept our budget. We didn't. We didn't uh, keep our budgeting with our revenue collections. We we've kept it in line, and yeah. I think it's you know. Um, there's a there's a spread between what we're collecting and what we're uh, budgeting. That's why we've got the the large uh, unallocated funds for this fiscal year uh, coming up that that we're going to be budgeting when we get into session. And you know we're we're keeping our 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 spending down, which is we should we shouldn't just spend sure. money because we have it. We should yeah. spend it on what we need to. And there are areas that we need to we've got to spend some money on. I mean we've got issues with corrections, we got issues with mental health, child protective services. All these things that we have to 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 fix and and get right, and you know uh, I think that there there's going to be a lot of uh, opportunities to do things uh, in the future. Investment, um, you know, every year we have maintenance on state-owned buildings through IHL, through community colleges, through uh, just state government buildings that we occupy, buildings that we're trying to renovate to uh, put agencies in and, and keep them in uh there's maintenance of effort uh that continuously goes sure. on year in year out and it costs more now too and it costs more and so you know with that spread i'd love to sit to to sit down and think about trying to implement that as part of our budget versus going and borrowing money okay if we've got this big spread of money that we're budgeting and running our government if we've got room to add those recurring uh maintenance efforts into it and, and into our budgeting process that's less debt. That's putting us in a way better shape, um, and in our you know with our statutory limit on our um, yeah. rainy day fund being full, we're in a good spot right now. Especially when you consider the increased cost of, of interest, as we talked about, and the taxpayers hitting the hip for that. So yeah. it's it's good to stay stay away from that. Um, but we got about 10, 15 seconds left. Anything else you see that uh, is kind of high profile you expect to take up real quick? Uh, you know, we, we've got a little bit more ARP money uh, left to, to put out to our, to our counties and our cities across our state with water and sewer and stormwater projects. Okay. Uh, that's going to be, you know, generational change. Okay. So it's right. a uh, there's a lot to do. Can we revisit the ballot measure process, the citizen-initiated ballot measure process? Absolutely. All right. Sounds good. Senator Josh Harkins has been our guest here on Middays. We're at Mississippi Blood Services today. Come by and see us. Appreciate it, Senator. Thank you, Always good to see you. Thank you, you for having me. You got it. We're coming right back. Stay with us. Let it snow. Let it snow. You're listening to Middays with Gerard. Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone to midday super talk mississippi live from mississippi blood services today where we need blood need you to come on out and donate they will once again take good care of you out here it's a painless and simple convenient fast efficient process and the people here are awesome so thomas and greenwood he tells us here rhino you've probably seen this on the ceasefire text line we we discussed this uh, law that's been in 
in place since 1986, I believe. Yep, 1986. Congress enacted and President Ronald Reagan signed the Emergency Medical Treatment and Labor Act. EMTALA is what it is known as. And it's, it's one of those acronyms that while the folks outside of the healthcare industry may not be familiar with it, everybody in the healthcare world, especially the hospital world uh, of healthcare, is totally familiar with it. And it, it basically says that Medicare participating hospitals are obligated, if they offer emergency services, they are obligated to provide a medical screening examination. It's called an MSE, the acronym. If a request is made for examination or treatment for an emergency medical condition, that's EMC, the acronym. That includes active labor regardless of an individual's ability to pay. And, and it could also, of course, extend to lots of other ailments as presented by uh, a patient, a sick person as well. Chest pains is a thing, Rhino, that comes to mind more than anything. It, it is my understanding from just friends in the, in the healthcare industry that you present to the ER with chest pains, you go to the, the top of the triage list. Is that your understanding as well? Yeah, pretty much. Because it's time is of the essence, right? And and it's not something you could say, okay, we'll just have a seat, we'll get to you later. But nonetheless, the, the EMTALA, this law that's been in place, it, it essentially obligates those hospitals that operate on an emergency room and participate in Medicare, which virtually all do. They've got to stabilize the patient whether or not they can pay. And often patients are not able to pay. They don't have any sort of insurance. They're uninsured, and they just simply don't have the income or the assets to pay for whatever services they may receive that the hospital provides to stabilize uh, their, their situation, stabilize their condition, and uh, essentially nurse them back to, uh, to a point where they're good to go. And... Uh, that's that's been in place since 1986. So, if you think about it, uh, I'm certainly a, a, a big believer, a, st a staunch advocate of free markets, and I believe, as we've said, as recent as today, that an organization, when we were talking in the context of the Respect for Marriage Act, that. If I, as a private company, I should have the right, I believe, should have the right to to trade with whomever I want at whatever the terms that we can agree on as seller and, and buyer. And that should extend, if you want to ex extend those free market principles into the healthcare industry, well, that would mean that if someone arrives at the ER, for example, and they're ill and they're in need of of uh, care and maybe it's an urgent situation it's a, an emergent situation where if they don't receive this level of care they could die literally but they can't pay for it so if in that particular case the hospital says uh, verifies whether or not they they can pay and think about lots of things you do you transact for in your own lives where you don't get what you what you're buying until you've paid for it, right? You don't walk out until, until you've rendered payment, uh, unless you've got some other arrangement made. Well, in this case, if the hospital says nope, you can't pay for it, you're just going to have to die. 
And essentially, that's what EMTALA is designed to protect against. So, uh, Delbert, uh, pardon me, not Delbert, Thomas has uh, sent a note to his delegates in Washington, because this is a federal law, by the way, and he is asking that, uh, that the federal government essentially end EMTALA. And my question to you would be, and it's a serious question, Thomas, how should those individuals be treated? How should their situations be handled if they present to a hospital, to an ER, they clearly cannot pay. That's been determined. But if they don't receive services, they're either going to die or perhaps be um, um, affected with permanent clinical problems, per- permanent illness. How should that be handled? It's a serious question. It's a hard question in my view. It's not as easy as just saying, sorry, you'll have to leave the hospital and just die. We cannot take care of you because you cannot pay. But what happens is when they don't pay, we're all paying for that indirectly. Those that do pay for their medical services, either in the form of insurance, out-of-pocket, combination of the two with copays and deductibles and so forth. But somehow the hospital's got to get at least sufficient revenue to be a going concern, a viable business entity. And so that's uh, it's a very complicated issue. So uh, Thomas says, just like all entitlements, it's abused. Now we have 80% uncompensated care. That's what the mayor of Carolyn McAdams of Greenwood reported on the program, asked her twice. I think I asked, asked her four times, twice in each interview, just to confirm, are you sure it's 80%? And then I, I kind of came at it from a different perspective. Is this 80% of the total patients that are treated by the hospital, or is this 80% of the total value cost of services provided by the hospital? And, and she wasn't aware, and I wasn't trying to trick her up, and, and, and it's, it's not a problem in that she wouldn't. That, that's, I think, a, a, a little deeper issue where you need someone that's more familiar with the, the metrics and, and the financial aspect of that situation from the hospital specifically, the CFO, the CEO, maybe both. And and Thomas says, you just remove the entitlement and people will find a way to pay for it themselves. Well, I don't agree with that, actually, Thomas. I mean, so you've seen the household and the per capita income of people in the state of Mississippi. It's, it's the lowest. It's fiftieth. Uh, I'm sorry to report. It's been there since th- that data has been compiled and collected and and calculated. 1929. Mississippi's been on the bottom of the list. So it's a tough. It's a tough situation. And, and by the way, it's not even an entitlement. In this case, n- nobody's paying for it. They're just receiving the services essentially without having to pay, and the hospital is absorbing it, and they're trying to figure out how to way to compensate for the uncompensated care through the, the paying patients that have some form of insurance coverage. It could be Medicare, Medicaid, private insurance, or pay out of pocket, or a combination of all of those. And then they also get disproportionate, um, they get disproportionate care payments as well, and uh, meaning that if they have an outsized amount, the hospital of services being provided, 
that uh, that is uncompensated. The federal government actually does cover some of that. It's called disproportionate share payments. Thomas says, "How did people handle it before Mtala?" Here's here's the here's what's complicated about that. It's a good, reasonable question, there, Thomas. What is available today with respect to care is orders of magnitude in excess of what was available in 1986. I, I'll give you another example because I've personally dealt with this. I'm a, a survivor of prostate cancer. Well, the PSA test, which is used as the gold standard to determine if a prostate's acting up and possibly showing uh, to be cancerous or needs to be biopsied as cancerous, that didn't exist. In the old days, before that test, and now before the very, uh, the, the very well-tested surgery that's available to remove a cancerous prostate, all done through robotics, that sort of care didn't exist. You just died. That's what happened in the past. You just died, and you dealt with those circumstances. So something I've said so many times on this program is we keep inventing new medical treatments, which is fantastic. Improves the quality of life, extends life, but it all costs money. And then it becomes a complicated question. Uh, should we not make those treatments available to people who cannot afford them? It's a serious question that is difficult to answer. I think it requires uh, the input from a whole lot of people uh, besides just government. You need ethicists. I, I think you may need clergy, for example. You need lawyers. You need scientists. You need clinicians. You, you need um, lots of people from a a broad landscape of subject matter to uh, address this question. It's a serious one. And uh, Johnny in West Point says, but if they can get free coverage from the government, why not require them to sign up for it, a.k.a. Obamacare? It's more complicated than that, Johnny. Uh, and that only became possible with the passing of recent legislation. We'll get into that tomorrow. Coming right back with Brittany Mitchell from Mississippi Blood Services. Stay with us. You're listening to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw it, you might even say it glows. And all of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. They never let poor Rudolph... Welcome back, everyone, to Midday Super Talk Mississippi, where we're in the Element Well Studios today at Mississippi Blood Services in Flowood, Mississippi, off Lakeland Drive on Treetops Boulevard. We've got uh, Brittany Mitchell with Mississippi Blood Services joining us again to wrap up the show today. So the message is pretty simple. It's pretty clear. We need blood. Yes, sir. Absolutely. <laughs> That's what it's all about. We've been seeing some come in here. Hey, we sure have. Yes, The rain appears to have subsided a bit, um, mm -hmm. as you can tell, because we don't hear it in, in our ears in the background, <laughs> yes. uh, sitting in our little our little cubby here, the windows in the reception area and the foyer. But So folks have been coming in, and I know they're getting treated well because as a donor myself, uh, the experience was uh, was fantastic. People here are really, really dedicated, really care a lot about what they're doing. They want to make it as painless, as convenient, as efficient as possible, and they certainly fulfill that mission, no doubt about it. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. We appreciate it. Yeah. 
Um, and yeah, y'all come on in while we've got a little dry spot here. Yeah. Um, and you will receive your choice of either a stylish embossed knit beanie or a campfire mug that includes a packet of hot chocolate. And you can enter into a really huge giveaway that we have going on now through September 16th um, called Santa's Big Giveaway, where you could win anywhere from an iPhone, AirPod Pros, a Dyson hairdryer. The list goes on. Uh, for more information, you can just visit msblood.com. Yeah. And so what about uh, our other goodies here with the, uh, that I we've got on the super top set oh yeah so we've got our beanie and the, our cup but we also have our um a little cowbell in honor of the passing of mike leach yeah um we just extend our condolences to his family and community um so all donors at the flowwood main center will receive a death size cowbell in his honor yeah that's awesome that's really cool and well done and so, so what about uh, this guy here the hat um, this beanie, yeah. um, it's heathered gray and yeah. it's in ball, so it has a nice leather look at the bottom sure with our logo. Um, very stylish. Mm. We mean it when we say it. Yeah. And then a nice cup. Everybody needs a good mug. Yeah. Especially this time of year. Yeah. Again, uh, just for the benefit of our audience, uh, anybody that's concerned about any sort of uh, health issues they may have that would preclude them from donating, specifically what might be something they need to be concerned about. But uh, my experiences in, in doing the show out here is it's pretty limited on who is not eligible. Absolutely. It's very limited. Um, most people who walk in the door, they're good to go. Yeah. Um, 110 pounds, 17 or older, in general good health. Um, and honestly, um, you know, it's really based on medication. But if okay. you've had the COVID vaccine, you can donate the same day. Same with the flu vaccine. I mean, those do not defer you. No, and, and you don't have to have the vaccine to be qualified to donate right correct yeah correct. so yeah because uh so because i know we had those questions i think last time we were here folks said well i haven't been vaccinated can i still donate mm -hmm. yeah. yep no if you if you're not vaccinated come on in if yeah. you know we do ask Either that our, yeah if wear a mask you know for the safety of our staff and our other donors um but yes i mean come on in we it's very rare that you will be deferred. Yeah, that's that's been my experience as well. You go through a little a little evaluation. I think is uh, what it's referred to. It's really pretty simple and nothing to it. Mm -hmm. And then you're you're zipped on back there, and they lay you down, and and it's painless process and take care of you. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And and once again, tell our audience this time of year where it, it tends to be more more critical in nature, where we start running short. Right. That's why we need people to come in. Mm -hmm. During the holidays, with people traveling more, um, you know that can cause car accidents, and you know. Yeah. Um, so there's a need for blood. You know, more people on the road. Um, also, you know, people are out of town too. So yeah, that's Before true. you go do that, you know, in the season of giving, give the gift of life to someone in a hospital right now that just wants to be at home with their family too during the holidays yeah there's no doubt about that the uh, i i gotta keep uh, bragging about the staff why are they so committed i mean they, they really are they enjoy what they do they're they're happy when they're doing it they they know that they're that they're helping someone that downstream that they likely will never know but they know that the, the they're performance of their duty their their job function here is, is critical to someone else's health mm -hmm. they are amazing and they tr you truly know that you're making a difference yeah. by doing this type of work um and it, it's almost really neat to think about you may never meet these people yeah. but 
even if you're having a bad day, to be able to be a part of something bigger than yourself, I think is why it feels so good to do this kind of work. And um, you, you can definitely sense that with our flubs and um, our receptions, everybody. I mean, please come see us. Sure it's always a like fun it. place to be. Yep. <laughs> Brittany, always good to be here. Thanks for having us. And once again, folks, Mississippi Blood Services, they need your help. They need you to come donate the gift of life blood. Uh, the locations across the state are open. They're ready and, and able to take care of you. And that is a wrap for us here today. Thanks, Brittany. Appreciate you having Thank us. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yep. So we're out of here today, folks, at Mississippi Blood Services. We're going to be back uh, at Supertalk headquarters tomorrow and then on the road to Hattiesburg, Mississippi, at the Corner Market on Friday. Until then, stay safe and God bless, everyone. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.